This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to this, the latest episode of Every Step Along the Way. This week we look back over a mixed bag of results from the Easter period and cast an eye over the penultimate home game of this campaign against QPR on Saturday. We also have some pleasant stats on our centre-backs, promising feedback on a young loanee cutting his teeth in Ireland and an international award for one of the club's star men. And don't forget, there's always a quiz to round it off. And yes, uh, so yeah, welcome to everybody. And there's just the two of us this week, so we're a man down. But which one are we? So, my partner in crime this week is Andy. How are you today, Andy? How are you doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. Bit unusual, you know. I'm normally the one who's away from the podcast, and this time it's Mike. So, we'll see how we'll get on tonight. Yes, we're uh, we're flying without him, aren't we? The the main man, the head honcho, the the, the main, the guy, the glue that holds us together, keeps us on the straight and narrow. So, God, goodness knows what this is going to be like. It's like a, like a party, I reckon, today. We're going yeah, to, the birds have left the nest. We'll be off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be, we'll be getting, probably get an explicit sign up and all sorts on this podcast. <laughs> we need that reserve, don't we, like they do in Formula One? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but Mike, don't worry. Anyone who's um, worried, he's, he's he is fine. He's, he's just away. He's having a little break. I know. I know. He's only just come back from Poland. We do understand this, but you know the jet setting lifestyle that he's got. He's currently uh, uncontactable at the side of some lake doing some fishing. From what we believe, <laughs> it's what he's told us. That's we can't contact him, so we can't get any, you know, any <laughs> intel on that. <laughs> Um, but yes, so yeah, you'll be a, you'll be a keen listener this week, just the same as you are. But yeah, enough about him anyway. He's not here, so we're not going to waste any more time on him. Let's move on to uh, Bristol City. Oh God, do we have to? <laughs> it's a bit of the same old, same old at home, wasn't it? Really, oh, very know. much so. Obviously, we've played a lot better away from home than we have at home. I remember in the last one, I, I brought up the stat about our home form compared to our away form, and. To be fair, Bristol City's away form was pretty much as our home form is, but the goal, you could say it was a bit of a fluke. It was going to be a good cross anyway. People say, oh, Bonner's positioning and that Bursic would have got to it, but Bursic's shorter. Would he have really gotten to it? Yeah, to, to me, I, 
I know Mike put something out on Twitter, didn't he? Saying the more he was watching it, the more it looks like like Bonham was at fault. But f- for me, he's expecting the cross, and you know it is a guy. It, it's looped over him and gone in. It's not like it's gone through him. It's sort of like say gone over. It's just a. He's just not. You know, he hasn't got the wingspan to to to, to reach it. It's. I wouldn't say it was sort of his fault. I think people. I think obviously people want Joe Bursic in goal, don't they? You know, I'd, I'd say you know a majority of Stoke fans want to see Joe Bursic in goal, and I, I feel maybe some people are just grabbing onto anything they can to sort of you know put John, John, Jack Bonham down and get. He hasn't really put a foot wrong in my book. Every well, not every, but most goals he has conceded, Bursic would have also conceded. He has made a lot of good saves. While he's there, and considering, I think Michael O'Neill said this in an interview. Considering he came here as a number three from Gillingham, and he's worked his way up to the number one goalkeeper place, and he's keeping that ahead of Bursic, who a lot of people are going, "Oh, he's an under twenty-one international. Why isn't he in net?" Bonham's proving game on game when he makes his saves that are crucial and saves that you wouldn't expect Bursic to make. Why he's there? For me, I'll be honest. I think. The start of the season, the way we were playing there, and the way we may possibly start next season if you know a suit our back, is obviously you know playing it out from the back, trying to be more fluid with the ball and and you know bringing it out, you know patient build up, but in trying to be incisive with it as well, you know playing and creating the gaps. If we're going to play like that, I think that Joe Basic has to play in goal because. He's you know we need you need a goalkeeper who can play with the feet, can't they? And that's you know that that's his strengths. That's where his the strength in his game lies. However, if we're not going to play that hard and we're going to be you know playing on the counter attack and like we do away from home and and then Jack Bonham's arguably a better shot stopper than Joe Bursic. He's certainly got a bigger wingspan and pulls off saves that I don't think Joe would do. I think you know basics. You know how good he is with the ball, his feet, and how composed he is, and how well he handles the pressure. I think that's what puts him ahead of Bonham for me. But like I say, I think if you're not going to be playing that sort of patient build-up and and uh, working it around the back and that, and you know using your goalkeeper for that, then I think they're a lot. If you're not going to be doing that, then they are a lot closer together for me in in terms of ability. Yeah. Pretty much agree with it. Obviously, Bonham's a better shot stopper from what we've seen, and Bursic likes to play it out from the back. He's good with his feet. You could probably play him at centre-back with the way that he plays out with his feet, but like you've said, depending on the style of play is going to be dependent on the type of keeper we have. We have two very different styles of goalkeeper, and if it means playing Bursic at home and playing Bonham away, or if Michael O'Neill wants to play the home tactic away from home and playing Bursic, then that's how it works. But like you say, if Harry, when Harry Sutar's back, He's probably going to have a Ben Wilmot with him in front of him. Maybe a Howard Bellis if we do get him back. And they're all very confident on the ball. And maybe Bursic will go back to that number one spot. And we've said it for a few weeks now, but is he seeing whether Bonham can do that job at number two? And at the moment, we were, well, at first we were all thinking a bit, maybe he's not, maybe he's just that cup goalkeeper. But at the moment, he's showing that he can be that number one as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's made any particular howlers where, it, well, put it this way, people are saying that Bursic should come back in for him. If it was the other way around and Bonham had come in for Bursic, 
after Basic has made the performances that Bonham has lately, I think they'd be uproar, wouldn't they? Yeah, you yeah. can't drop him. Why, why, why can you drop him after he's played, you know, making these saves in particular? So I think um, he'd be very unlucky to get dropped now, if, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's one of them. I think people, a lot of people know that Joe Bursic's an up-and-coming young goalkeeper. He's obviously an England under-21 international, and there's a lot of hype around him as, you know, the future of Stoke, and people want him now, and they want to see him play now. But at the age of 21 for a goalkeeper, it's extremely young. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, when you're on that downward, you know, as we really that you know, poor run of form and everything that we've been on lately until these last half a dozen games or so. I think if you have got a young goalkeeper in there, it's it could potentially risk you more damage in the long term than than good. Do you know what I mean? Because there's a, yeah, you know, a lot of pressure in the continued sort of you know defeat after defeat, if you like. And you know, they, like I say, for a young goalkeeper, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, maybe Michael O'Neill's just thinking, you know, the games haven't been on your side as of recent and we've got a more experienced keeper in Bonham. Maybe we just give you a bit of time to sort of know how your body reacts to having game after game of defeat and just not going your way. And maybe, like I've said, Michael O'Neill just wants to look after the mental side of Bursic because he knows he's the future of Stoke City's goalkeepers. As well, could it, it could also be that, like, once Davis left, has Bursic sort of relaxed thinking he's untouchable now because Bonham's and Bonham's just a number three so there's no way he's going to be taking my place in the team and maybe now after these performances maybe it's a challenge for Michael O'Neill to say like you know yeah he you know he's he's not he's not a, ter- he's not a terrible goalkeeper he might have been brought in as a number three but he's now your main challenge and you know, now Bonham's come in, made you know, played decent. He's played well the last six or eight weeks, I'd say. He's played very well. And now Bursic knows he's you know, he's gotta be hitting top form again to to get his place back next season. Yeah, well, I think Michael O'Neill said in an interview that Bonham and Bursic are currently fighting out for that number one shirt and they'll do that into the start of next season. But speaking about the goalkeepers, we haven't mentioned this yet. If you did you notice Bonham was wearing last season's away shirt again? Yeah, yeah, he's done it wise. Times, he he's did it against Peterborough, is what I noticed. But he must have enough goalkeeper shirts in the club <laughs> shop where they can just go and grab one. Because um, my mate, who actually has one of the goalkeeper shirts, says they're nothing different to what they have in the club shop. So I don't know why they can't just go and grab one, put Bonham on the name because of the printing they've got on the backs this season's <laughs> how peculiar. It's, um, it is an interesting sort of quirky thing, yeah. there, isn't it? I don't know why. Uh, Probably doesn't not, interfere, does it as... at all? It's not even as if Jack Bonham would have last season's goalkeeper team. Exactly, that's the thing with it. They've had to put printing on an old shirt. (laughs) Oh, weird. The way this club works. something superstitious in there. (laughs) Well, to be fair, against Peterborough, he played well. So maybe it's if Bonham wears that one, you know you're going to get a good result. (laughs) Yeah, it feels comfortable. Comfortable, isn't it? (laughs) Well, I think... I think we'll uh, we'll leave Bristol City there because there isn't really much else to talk about, is there? Not really. The other side of scoffing a face with uh, Easter eggs and chocolate is Easter Monday. Went on uh, the nice trip to Blackburn and another away win. We can say nice trip. It was a horrible trip for me. <laughs> oh, God. It was awful. Basically, I go to all the away games of a mate who lives in Derby. Mm. So I've driven to Derby. And I've picked him up, coming up through. There's about four sets of traffic that I had to go to. 
stuck there for about half an hour. And then we get there as kickoff happens. We walk through like where you get to our seats. Next thing you know, Brown scored his goal. So did you actually see it then? Or did yeah, you I just it? about saw it. Oh. I, sat, I, I got to my seat, stood up, looked over. I was like, we're on the attack here. In. <laughs> did you see Josh Madge's little beautiful little touch? Oh, Josh, he's getting better week on week, isn't he? I, I think he was he was dropped out the side against West Brom, obviously. And then Michael O'Neill's probably had a word with him saying, look, we're going to start trying to play it into you the way that you like it. And I feel like we are doing that a lot more. It's not being hoofed up long to him as much. And he's able to bring it down, control it and play it off. And even his fancy flicks appear to be coming off, unlike Fletcher's. Yeah, do you know what it is? Like when he signed, obviously we were we thought we were getting a goal poacher, didn't we? You know, he literally mm-hmm. is a goal poacher. He's he's not involved in the build up. He is just there to finish off you. You put the ball in the right area. He stays between the he stays between the posts and will just find a target and score your goals. And now he seems to be every week he's getting better and better with his build up play, his hold up play, bringing other people into the game. And now sort of turning and not even with his back to goal now, but obviously when he's been playing on his own up front, he's, his work with his back to goal has been fantastic. And now he's he's sort of switched, like on Saturday playing with Brown up front, he was a lot more like facing the goal and, and running to the, towards the goal. So that's two very different sort of assets for a striker to have, isn't it? Do you know? The hold up play and and obviously also also like sort of attacking play as well. Yeah, and, obviously. Uh, he's getting better every week. He, like I say, both, no matter what we're asking him to do at the minute, it's, he's sort of looking better at it. I think there's still work to do, don't get me wrong, but he's definitely improving and he's obviously hungry to, to become a better footballer. Yeah, he's a lot better than what we do. I think we find out when he first came in, he was played in that front, in the front three in the centre, being that goal poach. But since he's come into the front two with him and a fellow striker at the moment, mostly being Jacob Brown. He's playing a lot better, and it's similar to an Allen. He can take a few more risks in his play, which is paying off very, very well. And we're seeing the sort of magic we expected when he came here. Obviously, he's not scoring as much. His um, finishing does need a little bit of work to it, but everything else in his play is working out. You mentioned Jacob Brown there. Another goal for him. Another important goal. Obviously, the only goal of the match there. Won his three points. And uh, it was a lovely little finish as well, wasn't it? You know, very composed. And I think that that's the kind of chance for me that when we signed Jacob Brown, he would be, he'd have missed that. You know, where he's had time to think about it and he's, he's got to look where he's going to put it. But uh, he's another one who just seems to be getting more and more confident every week. Yeah. As inconsistent as he has been as of late since getting the Player of the Month award, you still know he's going to score at least every other game. And... If you have a look at the goal, the defender that was behind him, he had two choices. Let him go through and he has the potential to score, bring him down and get sent off in the fourth minute. He took the safe option and obviously he scored the goal, taking it around the keeper and just passed it into the net. And I believe that's his 12th goal for the season. And I can't remember a season where we had a striker score 12 goals. And I think last time it was Klukas getting 10, but we're not really going to mention his name after his Twitter antics. I did see that. I thought the defender very nearly went for bringing him down, didn't he? And then thought, no, best not. <laughs> There's 86 minutes still to go. Well, like I say, I mean, he's 13 goals now. 
Fuller and Lawrence got 15 the year we were promoted. I can't remember the last, I think Peter Thorne was the last one to get more than 15 in a season. So these last three games, if he can still bag himself a couple more, you know, a few more goals, they, you're talking big numbers for Stoke strikers in the recent yeah. history anyway. Like, like we said, for next season, there's three, hopefully four players you've got to build the team around. And that was Tymon, Baker, Brown and Suter. Those four players you build the team around and you just know that you're going to go far and hopefully towards those promotion and even automatic places. Isn't it amazing as well? Like, with, you know, with a full pre-season behind him, you could probably add Tyrese Campbell into that. Yeah, obviously Tyrese hasn't been his normal self since coming back from injury. And I He's think as of late, after the break, when he came, when he pl- I think he came off the bench against West Brom or one of the teams after the break. Oh, no, it was at home. And he just looked like his old self, you know, wanting to get into space, making runs, tracking back a lot. And he's been critiqued for that quite a lot in recent times. But give him next season, have Brown on one side, have Campbell on the other. Your wings sorted out. Was it Sheffield United? Yeah, I believe it was Sheffield United. Yeah, he came on late time at Sheffield United, didn't he? And he just, like I say, he just looked dangerous. Yeah, and then obviously played his best mate time in through. Get the winning goal. Yeah, I think as well. It was nice to see um, Ben Wilmot back in the defence as well, wasn't it? He, he did, I think he did very well for me. I don't know how you, how you thought. Yeah, obviously had Tommy Smith playing on that right, that full right wing back spot. Thought it brought out the old Tommy Smith that we know and love. Yeah, because Smith started the season very well, didn't he? And then he very much went off the boil during like the middle part of the season. And I think he, I don't know if he's quite done enough. Because to get me wrong, is he out, he out of contract this summer, isn't he? I believe he is. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure personally he's done enough to to warrant a new one, especially you know on the money that he was on previously. I think it could well, you know, he might have to take a wage drop, uh, which will probably mean it'll be one of them late decisions where he's, you know, maybe looking around to see if he can, what he can get elsewhere. Yeah, well, obviously he was bought in in 2019, so was that the season we came down the season after? So yeah, it was a Nathan Jones signing. It was a Nathan Jones signing, and to be fair, considering he was a Nathan Jones sign, he's been all right. He's been a good signing from what Nathan Jones brought in and I've been a fan of Tommy Smith I always have but he's just not been his normal self as of late and I don't think it's going to earn himself enough of a contract but the one thing that like Stoke fans will say if you think about it DeMarco Dehaney's done nothing and the only other player we've got out there who can really play there is Ben Wilmot who's only played there temporarily really so, if you're looking for recruitment in the transfer window, it's probably going to be that right-back spot. Well, we may move on to this later on in the news section. There may be some, maybe we may have a solution. I'll leave that there for you. You always <laughs> have a solution to everything you do, Dad. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what did interest me as well. What was Jaden Philogene Bidace? I thought when he come on, he looked... I mean, we know he likes to dribble with the ball. We know he likes to run with the ball and take people on. But he seemed to be a little bit more central, didn't he? And I thought that his ability to, to just carry the ball up the pitch 
but was relieving so much pressure off the defence like late in the game. He literally just get the ball and he just skipped past two, three players and he was, you know, all of a sudden with fifty yards up the pitch and and the defence can, you know, can come out and, and give themselves a bit of space, a bit of breathing room. And I just yeah. thought, you know, if, if we are if we can get him back next season, get him a full pre season with us and, and you know, keep him fit, I think he could be vital in both setting up goals and stuff, but if that's how he can play as well. Which I do believe he prefers to play centrally. You know, I mean, we haven't seen it before. Um, you know, before uh, Monday Monday afternoon, we hadn't seen him play down the middle, had we? But he sort of played in the central midfield, and to me, I thought, like I say, he was a real asset late in the game, just relieving pressure. Yeah, he was a very very good asset. I think the position he mostly played was sort of a left sided midfielder who can drift out wide and. He didn't play bad at all. It was very, very good to watch. It was very refreshing. Obviously, we've seen DeMarjo Wright Phillips um, play when Jaden Filagina Bedace has been playing, but we've not really seen one or the other play. And it was nice to see him, you know, sort of on that left hand side, but also drifting and centrally carrying the ball. And like I've said, if we can get him back, it would be great because, like I've mentioned, you can have Brown, you can have Campbell on the wings, you can also have Wright Phillips, you can have Bedace on the wings. You can have um, time and out further up if you need to. That's quite a lot of quality in the wide positions from the get-go. Yeah, there's also a lot of youth there. Isn't there? There's a lot of youth and there's a lot of sort of um, pace and trickery yeah. and people looking to, you know, no fear, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, the and, oldest one of that group is Jacob Brown. who's only just turned 24. Yeah, so there's a lot of like I say, a lot of players there who they're not gonna they're not scared of you know, they just wanna go and you know express themselves a lot of time and and you know, a lot of flair. So it's, it's quite exciting for us and they're in like seeing their positions. Um, if we can hold on to players and like I say, bring uh, bring Jaden uh, back in from Villa next year as well, that'd be I think that'd be a real coup if we can get him because I don't think he's quite going to be in Villa's plans yet. No, I don't think he's in Villa's plans. Obviously, he's getting minutes for us, but will he get minutes for Villa consistently? I think he only played about 20 minutes of a cup game for him Mm. before he came to us. And it was like, you know, will he start for Villa? Probably not. Will he get more of a chance than what he's getting here? Probably yeah, not. I think if he'd stayed fit all like the second half of this season, then he probably would have played enough for Gerard maybe to think, yeah, you know, I, I think I could possibly give you, you know, you've put, if he'd carried on playing how he did when we first uh, put him in the team, then Gerard would probably have seen enough to, to what, think he warrants a place around the squad. I think he hit that sort of a bit of a wall, didn't he? Was it um, was it Birmingham where they realised and they sort of triple triple marked him, didn't they? And yeah, he was still trying to he was still trying to take everybody on rather than lay the ball off. And uh, he, you just think, yeah, yeah. If if, if you were a coach watching that, you'd think he hasn't shown me yet that he's learned to adapt. Because obviously he got injured, didn't he? With the game after, yeah, uh, he got injured, uh, and then he's sort of obviously only just returned to the side now, aren't he? But 
you think, you know, he may well have learned, but he hasn't been able to show show it yet, or is he on the pitch? So he may well, like I say, may well get another low move just to get his experience levels up as well. Yeah, obviously the games that he played before that were against some pretty tough opposition. Obviously he came off the bench against Fulham, but the one game that comes to mind for Jaden this season was against Swansea, where obviously he got his goal, but Wade did about eight step-overs to take on their defender. And it was just mesmerising to see. Teams obviously found that out. Birmingham found that out first, and then Luton found it out. And then he was been injured ever since. And I feel like with the way he came on against Blackburn, he used his skills smart because he's that player who comes off the bench, throw a few step-overs, get past the defender, have a shot or put across him. But he didn't do it as much. And he thought about what he was going to do, and it just shows maturity within a player so young. Yeah, and like I say, what we want him to show, but don't show too much between now and the end of the season. Save it, for, save it for when you come back next year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, I take it you'd you'd have him back if, if there's yeah, I'd, I'd most year. definitely have him back. Obviously, if it's even if it's a permanent deal, I wouldn't mind it at all because. You know how Michael O'Neill works. If, if Michael O'Neill doesn't like him after six months, you can go out the door for a little bit of profit. That's how he works. <laughs> yeah, I don't. A, I don't think Villa will be letting him go anytime soon. And uh, B, I think if he's coming in, I think so much drastically gone wrong if he's if he's the next Sam Surridge. I mean, shipped out after six months. <laughs> he's he's doing well for Forest, though, isn't he? Well, he's he's not really played that much. I know he scored the other day, but. Yeah, what's his, what's his it was like the fourth. Oh, he scored three goals, never mind. Yeah, it was like the fourth goal of a 4 0 win against 10 men <laughs> with 20 seconds remaining. Um, I don't, I know we're not a Nottingham Forest podcast, but that callback goal that, that's all I'm <laughs> gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched it, I thought, what a, what a goal. But at the same time, it's probably like, a fluke. What a miss it crossed that is. <laughs> um, so, what about Taylor Harwood Bellis? Would you have him back next year? Obviously, it's whether City wants to let him go. They have said that they're open to letting him leave. He said on a radio apparently that he's happy with how this format is at Stoke. I wouldn't mind having him back. Obviously, he's been in and out of the team, he has made a few mistakes here and there. But what Stoke player hasn't made a few mistakes this season? He's obviously going to fit into that back line. Like I've said, you've got Wilmot, you've got Sutar, Jaggy Alka potentially if he signs another six months to a year. We don't really have too much depth there. Obviously, we've got Forrester as well. We've got a few players who are out on loan. It's whether if the, some of those players who have come back from loan go out again, then it would be a good move. If you bring him in on another loan deal, it's going to be similar to this season where you've got to be playing him more than Michael probably like yeah I, th- I think if you are I think we probably want five central halves don't we especially because you know the I think four's not quite enough when the manager may want to play three at the back and like I say you've got you've got your Suter, you've got Jagielka you've got Wilmot uh, you've got Forrester if Harwood Bellis comes as well then I imagine you'll probably see Connor Taylor go out on loan again. If yeah. Howard Bellis doesn't want to come, I'm quite happy for Connor Taylor to be one of the five centrals 
Yeah, I think he's you know he's obviously doing very well at Bristol Rovers. He's up for you know young player, young player of the season in League Two. Um, they're obviously you know some of the comments you've seen from the Bristol Rovers fans, you know, saying he's up there with the the best players they've seen, best player they've seen put on the shirt for them. Um, you know, on his way to being a you know a club, as much of a club legend as a loanee can be, kind of thing. Yeah, obviously, some loanees are seen as you know those players who've actually shaped the team up for next season. And I wouldn't be at all surprised that if Michael O'Neill doesn't want Connor Taylor in his plans next season, that he goes back out on loan to Bristol Rovers. Yeah, especially if they get promoted. Especially if they get to League One, it will give him a completely different aspect to obviously Championship football. It will give him the idea of Michael O'Neill, the full idea of can he hack it at Championship level? Yeah, especially as well because you would. You would think as well that he would. Whereas this season, obviously Bristol Rovers, they had an indifferent start, I think. But then lately, they've sort of really moted up the division. If they get promoted, natural, you know. I know some some clubs can go back to back promotions, but you know, most you would expect to be. It's going to struggle a bit more, and I suppose that's where he's going to find out more about his character and that. If it's in a bit of a relegation fight. Um, and he obviously will have a lot of defending to do in that case as well. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking at Bristol Rovers now. Speaking about like how they can perform the season that they've come down, they got they got relegated in 24 from the season they went up. So it's a question of like we've said, if Connor Taylor goes back, not is it? Yeah, it is Connor Taylor. Yeah, yeah. If Connor Taylor goes back and he can keep them in League One, it it could quite literally be one of those players that he's got to make a decision on where his future lies. Yeah, well, the thing is, Harry Suter had a couple of seasons with Joey Barton at Fleetwood, didn't he? And, you know, it didn't do him any harm. And obviously, Connor Taylor's, he's had a season with Joey Barton at Bristol Rovers. Seems to be, you know, they're heading for the playoffs at the very least. Yeah. Uh, obviously, challenging up with there with Port Vale, aren't they, for automatic? Yeah, it's one of them. I think I saw Harry Sutar was down there supporting him along. Yeah. Um, which shows the type of captain that we probably have in the squad. But he was also there cheering on Glenn Whelan, an ex-Stoke club legend. I still can't believe he's kicking about. I know he only came on the last couple of minutes, didn't he, just to, uh, just to help see them score, that, score the third and wrap the win up. But yeah, he, um, I could say, I think if if we've got... If he's one of the fifth defenders, I think Jagielka's key. Get Jagielka signed up because Sutar's young defender still. Uh, obviously, Wilmot's still a young defender. Forrester's a young defender. Taylor's a young defender. If we sign Harwood Bellis, he's still a young defender. So, I think that experience of Jagielka both helps to coach them through games as much as anything else. Yeah. As well done to Michael um, O'Neill likes his young side, and I think. What we've been saying is that obviously he's trying to. I've, I've forgotten the word. It's a transition period, isn't it? Really, of making the team his. And if Michael yeah. O'Neill can get a young squad like he is now, and he can keep in the job with good results, he won't really have to do too much transfer business for quite a few years. And considering he's working upstairs with the Coates' family as it is, he's helping the club out a heck of a lot with financial fair play as well. Yeah, definitely, and. Like I said, I think like I said, Jagielka needs to be there for to coach these young defenders through and, and help them develop. And then hopefully, like I say, when he's ready, we can uh, get him into a coaching role, I think, because 
the wealth of experience and obviously know-how of the game, I think he'd make a really good coach. He would make a brilliant coach in my eyes. Well, well, I think we should wrap up. Um, I think we've, we wrap up the Blackburn game now uh, with some man in the match poll results. So it was a very close one, actually. Um, so Jack Bonham at 43% was named man of the match in our polls. Um, Josh Maggio was just behind him with 39%. Uh, Phil Jagielka, talk of the devil, he had 11%. And then the other got 7% with mentions in the comments for Joe Allen, Jacob Brown and Romain Sawyers. I think that's fair enough. I think that save at the end was fresh in everybody's mind as well. He, he made two or three good saves throughout the game, Bonham did. And it really was the game-winning moments. Obviously, Brown scored in the fourth minute, but you've got another, we've added time, another full game of football to play there. And yeah. obviously, Brown's gotten the mention, but from scoring the goal, he really didn't do too much else. Bonham... When he needed to rise the, to the occasion, he did. And Jaggy Alka, obviously, he, he's on there. He will be on there because of the quality he's gotten. For a man who's turning 40 this year, he looks like he's not a day over 22. <laughs> he's still got a good pace. He does. He ages like fine wine, mate. <laughs> right, let's hit the news. Yeah, and to kick us off, uh, Harry Souter. Now, he's been awarded the Dylan Tombides Medal. I hope I've said that right. Uh, which is a prestigious award for the Australian footballer showing commitment and conduct. Congratulations to Harry. I mean, that's, you know, for somebody who obviously has come into that setup late, he hasn't sort of worked his way through the underage groups of Australia, has he? And obviously, Played on the other side of the world as well. I think he's obviously, you know, he's he's, he's obviously made a big a big impact on Australia, hasn't he? And, and left his mark uh, with the coaching and coaching staff and fans as well. Obviously, he's he's a big player, as we know, not just his height wise, but he's a big player in crucial moments. And obviously, we I sent a table or a chart, well, however you want to see it, to the chat that we've got, and it turns out Harry Sutar is, in fact, the best defender in the championship. Considering he's been out since about November time and he's still got that title, really shows the quality we've been missing out on. On this chart, it shows that he makes around 7.8 progressive actions per 90 and wins over 75% of his headers. If you compare that to the other centre-backs, we've got Jaggy Elka is within the lower quarter of progressive actions per 90 and aerial duels. Howard Bellis and Wilmot liked the progressive actions but aren't as good in the air. And then Liam Moore's just behind all of them, but he's going back to Reading, um, obviously, with his injury that he's got. And it just shows the quality we've missed out on, like I've said. And Harry Sutar is a player we need to build the team around next season. Yeah, I think there's there's no um, no doubt at all. Is there is, as soon as he's fit and raring to go, he's, he's going to be taking his place again in the defence. Uh, it'll be interesting if you do have a three-man uh, defence, uh, three or three centre-halves, it'll be interesting how they do it with Hill because obviously him and Jagielka both favour sort of the centre role in a back three. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, wh which one of them gives way, if you like. Yeah, it's whether you want to do that or if you want to be, you know, 
Michael O'Neill and play a different tactic, have Connor Taylor in there and have three super tall centre-backs that have all got <laughs> pace to them. Just, all good on the ball. Yeah, it would. It, I think it would strike fear into the opposition because they know they're not going to beat them to headers. If they play a through ball, they're probably going to reach it with a stretch. Depends how Michael O'Neill wants to set up next season. It's whether he plays the formations he's played this season at all. We do not know. A lot's going to happen, isn't it, over the summer and you know, players coming and going will be linked with you know countless people, no doubt, <laughs> between now and when we kick off in, at the end of July. To say it's to be interesting to see that dynamic work if we do keep hold of Jagielka, just to see how him and Sutar sort of play together. It it would be interesting, obviously, if you're playing a back four, you could have both of them playing in partnership together, and if you're going to play a back five or a back three, however you want to see it. You'd mostly have two shorter centre-backs and then the taller centre-back in the middle. But Jagielka, he's, obviously, he's got a height to him, but he's not exactly, you know, the tallest of the bunch. So you, you could possibly play a bit out wide because he does have a bit of pace to him. Yeah, I think as well, like, you, you centre of the three centre-halves as well is usually one who likes to carry the ball into midfield, which is obviously something, something we saw Harry Suter do to great effect at the start of the season. And then, obviously, you know, the other two centre-halves sort of closed the gap, don't they, as they've gone, or one of your midfielders uh, sort of drops in into the defence to, to maintain the three. So, yeah, so it'd be interesting because, obviously, you know, you can still do it. We've seen Bill, Ben Wilmot do it a lot from the right of the three, haven't we? You know, still, you know, push and go into midfield. Um, so, yeah, it'll def- definitely be... It's, it's a very interesting. It's something to, something to look forward to. Um, we, we need things to look forward to as Stoke fans at the minute <laughs> yeah we do obviously the season's not panned out the way we want but we're going to be positive from the start of next season and if Sutar's back earlier than planned and we start off the way that we started off this season I, d- I don't see any reason why we can't go for those playoff places we were pretty much going for automatics and then the spine of the team goes and once the spine of a team goes it's like the spine of a person just falls apart, doesn't it? Really, that's very graphic. That is, Andy. I know. I couldn't <laughs> think of anything else to really <laughs> go with. Taking people's spines out of one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I did say to you earlier on, didn't I, that I may have a we may have a solution for we the right back problem. And who is that? Well, this is this week's Lodi review. It's back. And I've managed to get hold of somebody at Dundalk. And that is where Lewis Macari has been on loan. So here's what they've got to say about Lewis. Uh, James Rogers here from Dundalk. Um, just providing a bit of an update on Lewis Macari. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think Stoke can be very happy with how he's done so far. You know, for me, he's been a bit of the unsung hero at times this season came into probably a you know difficult enough situation there was a bit of a turnover at Dundalk last year in terms of a lot of players left and we were previously owned by American investors called Peak Six who you know would have had interest in Bournemouth in the past and you know they left and 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 the club went back into local hands Uh, a new manager only came in late enough in in the winter so Dundalk were kind of maybe behind other teams in terms of getting a squad together budget was drastically reduced compared to previous years and you know you're bringing in a guy not just Lewis but maybe 
three or four others as well who you know hadn't played senior adult football but I suppose with with a, with a combination of injuries and maybe lack of squad depth he went in in probably started the season off in a sort of unfamiliar role at left back um, and then in the third game of the season he was actually hooked after 25 minutes of a 3-0 win against Finn Harps it was 0-0 at the time when, when he was taken off but that was a big test for for a young player I think to you know can he bounce back from that but I mean he has he's come back in and and, and he switched to right back since and he's been you know really really steady there you know I think he's been definitely consistently delivering seven out of ten performances if not better I think even in the in the game against Shamrock Rovers at home last month they'd be the, the champions here in Ireland he, he was given the man the match award uh, and again performed very well against them away there on Monday so he's settling in well I think you know he's delivered one assist so far in a goal against UCD maybe like to see him get forward a bit more but I think it's maybe not a position he's overly familiar with as well from what I gather most of his football Stoke in underage level was at centre half but definitely his reading of the game his development so far how he's fitting in amongst the squad and all you'd have to say is very very positive and uh, certainly I think he's definitely the biggest compliment I could perhaps give him is that John Mountney who's a bit of a club legend he was at the club for 10 seasons uh, left for one and has just returned but he's been out injured and, and has earmarked right back as where he wants to play um, he was probably a right winger in his first spell at the club but you know be my opinion and probably that of other fans as well that you know when when he does return in the coming weeks it, it probably shouldn't be at right back because uh, Lewis has done such a, a good job there so yeah I think Stoke could be very happy with how he's done Um certainly um, becoming a bit of a hit with Dundalk fans here Um we're only 11 games into our season, so a lot of football ahead for him, but he's definitely, you know, in terms of his progress so far, has been superb. Well, is that a solution to the right-back problem? Superb. You know, maybe maybe not a competition for Josh Tyner at left-back, maybe, but uh, definitely seems to be doing, I know he's a centre-half by trade, but seems to be doing well on the right-hand side, doesn't he, Andy? Yeah, of course. Obviously, we've got Wilmot, who's been playing there as well, and if Michael O'Neill wants to use Wilmot as an out-and-out right-back and then bring Makari in and use him as an out-and-out right-back, maybe he only needs to bring in one out-and-out right-back in the summer because he knows that he can have two centre-offs who can also play there. And like you say about competition with time, and the only player I think is going to have competition with time in, in next season is Dowerty when he comes back off his loan spell. Yeah, I was going to say Doughty, definitely not more than Fox. Oh, I think I think, I think he's gone. Obviously, yeah. with Doughty, we hadn't really seen his full quality. He was very, he got injured pretty much as he came here, and then at the start of this season in preseason, he scored, and he's played quite a lot for Cardiff. He played two or three games and then picked up his injury, and he's he hasn't been out for as long as what was planned if you remember the tweet that was put out it said four yeah. for six months and we were like it's another failed loan spell but he's played yeah, a few yeah. more times for cardiff on that left hand side and cardiff fans when i went say that for what he's played he has been very very good well i noticed as well he, he scored the other week didn't he and he come in yeah. off the right wing to score and i thought oh that's interesting that obviously they're playing him on the right hand side 
the goal that he did score was against Reading, and he was playing on the left-hand side of midfield. Yeah, it could be where the wingers have just switched flanks for five, ten minutes just to mix it up a bit. Getting back to Macari and that, like I say, he's really promising there, and you know he's. He's, he's, he's character as well. Like I say, he got brought off early in that game at left-back. You know, 25 minutes in, how's young player going to cope with that? Well, 7 out of 10 at least every week and a couple of other match performances, that's how he copes with that. Like I say, he's he's proven his battle there, hasn't he? Proven he's proven he's got the mental strength. And, and yeah, like I say, it, it, it bodes well on his return, I'd say, for next season. I put a poll out this week on Twitter and it was... Uh, Basically saying that Lewis Baker and Harry Suter have both played 18 games for Stoke. Obviously, for varying reasons that those numbers aren't higher. One, Lewis Baker only joined the club about 18 games ago. <laughs> and Harry Suter obviously got injured. Um, but the question was, who's been the better player this season? What are your thoughts on that before I give you the results, Andy? Who would you go obviously, for? Obviously, um, Suter, he's been injured. He's been a solid in that centre-back pairing, but he has made his few mistakes, obviously, captain in the side against Cardiff when we lost 3-3, conceding three goals where in the space of five minutes. And then, obviously, the fourth was disallowed for offside within the space of about 10 minutes. That could highly drop his results. Lewis Baker, on the other hand, has been absolutely influential, obviously. He's had the captain's armband a few times, but scoring eight goals and getting two assists in 18 games, compared to every other club he's been at he's pretty much done in the space of 18 games so I'd take Lewis Baker as that number one spot well 59% of people agree with you see I do have a bit of intellect when it comes to players but um, yeah like I've said Sutar has been injured maybe if he had played the games throughout the season maybe he would have been the better player but you put those two in the team next season You've got a solid spine coming together. Yeah, I mean, like I say, for me, Baker's been one of the best uh, midfielders in the division since he signed. And one of the best just midfielders in the world, mate. <laughs> and you just shown, like, statistically, Harry Suter's still considered possibly the best centre-half yeah. of the division. So it's a tough call for me. I think just the fact that we had so much better results with Harry Suter in the side... Um, would just edge it for me, but I am looking forward to them playing together and possibly having Suter feeding the ball into Baker as well. Suter feeding the ball into Baker, obviously you've got Timon already doing it, you've got Brown playing up top doing it. It is, It's <clears> going to be an exciting season next season if we can keep the players that we need. Yeah, it'll be interesting to do that poll again at the end of next season if they both, oh, have, uh, <laughs> if they both have good seasons. <laughs> you might have to add one or two onto there as well. You might have to have a four-player poll. <laughs> yeah, just finishing off this section now. Obviously, we've got the under twenty threes, under eighteens, and the women. Uh, they did none of them played this week. If you remember, there was no fixtures uh, this week. However, they are quite busy uh, in the next seven days or so. So the under twenty threes they kick off their week um, against Burnley at the Lime Valley Stadium on Friday, kicking off at seven pm. Before they play Wolves at Molyneux on Monday, again kicking off at seven. The under-18s, they're away at Forest on Saturday with an 11am kickoff uh, before they host Everton at Clayton Wood on Tuesday with a 3pm kickoff. The, the women, they've got a match as well. They play Hull City at home, kicking off at 2pm on Sunday at the Emery Stadium. 
in what is a, a vital game for them. You know, they could do with the three points just to help secure, you know, and beat off relegation this season. So yeah, anyone who you know wants to get down to any of their matches, that's when the uh, the three sides are playing this week. Shall we go on to the QPR? Let's give it a go. Right, I've had far too much on my plate doing all this. You know, I'm doing Michael's work as well as my own this week. So, Andy, I'm going to let you take it away with the stats this week, mate. You crack on. Okay, so obviously, last time we did a league double over QPR was in the 2012-13 season, and we're looking to do that again on Saturday at the Bet365 Stadium. QPR have won their last two league away matches against Stoke, and the last time they won three in a row was between 2002 and 2005. Uh, we have won four of the last six championship matches, which is one more than we had managed in our past 19 games combined, which shows how much the signings that we have bought in during the January transfer window really have influenced the team as of late. Um, QPR are actually... Um, have just picked up four points in the last eight away league matches. Um, and the only win in that was when they won 2-1 at Luton and drawing 2-2 at Huddersfield to pick up a point. And since the start of February, QPR have only won 12 points from 15 games, with midfielder Luke Amos accounting for five of those accounting for five of those points. Indeed, only Andre Gray has a better minutes per goal ratio in the championship for QPR this term than Luke Amos. And their injury news, well, it's woeful. We thought ours was bad. They have got each of their five senior goalkeepers injured. That includes Senny Dieng, who's their normal starting keeper. January signing David Marshall, who's injured. Their emergency transfer sign of Kieran Westwood injured. Joe Walsh and Jordan Narcher are injured. Defensive-wise, Rob Dickey, Lee Wallace, uh, Yoan Barbe and Moses Odubagio are all injured. And Jeff Hendrick in the centre of midfield is injured. So, the old adage of bring your boots, I think, <laughs> if you're a QPR fan, you bring your gloves. <laughs> we so, take our boots, they bring, uh, <laughs> they bring their gloves. So, uh, have you had any indication about who's actually going to be playing in golf at the moment? Um, let me Charlie just, Austin? Let up here. <laughs> maybe, maybe. QPR, let me just get it up here. We can sort this out. Who played against Derby? Oh, Kieran Westwood did play for him there, but he's injured again. <laughs> so it would be... It's highly likely that their goalkeeper, by the name of Murphy Mahoney, will be playing, who has only been playing for the 23s this season. Made his debut against Preston. Kieran Westwood came back for two games. And from what I'm reading, he's been injured again. So it means Mahoney's going to be over Senny Dieng, David Marshall, Kieran Westwood, Joe Walsh. And Jordan Archer, he is number one out of six keepers at the moment. So, yes, so uh, good luck to him. I mean, I don't know if I'd want him because it seems to be over. He's going to be worried he's going to get injured himself at this rate. Yeah, and in his days, he conceded, um, they did lose 2 1. Um, Jimmy Dunn, their centre back, also conceded a known goal against him. So his confidence probably isn't the highest at the moment either for a young lad. Yeah, um, well, that's certainly uh, interesting there. I mean, I've got some players who've played for both sides. Do you want to fire away with them? Go away then, then. Go on so then. We've got Jeff Cameron, 
Mark Sheeron, Ron, 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 the Sheeron, Ron. <laughs> Carl Henry, Clint Hill, Chris Barker, Marlon Brooms, oh, said shudders, <laughs> Jay Bothroyd, Peter Crouch, Andrew yeah, Davies, Crouch. Jason Jarrett, Richard Johnson, Stephen Kelly, Tony Scully, and then a couple of good strikers here, Paul Pesky Salido and Mark Steen. Yeah, I completely forgot Jay Bothroyd played for us. The way his career just ended out. I'm having a look here. He finished off in the J1 League, which is in Japan, with Hokkaido Consadale Sapporo. <laughs> that, that, I completely that's forgot Peter Crouch played. I forgot Peter Crouch played for QPR. Yeah, it's obviously we find out a lot of names that come off the list. The two which always seem to pop up, though, you've got to have. Marlon Brooms always seems to pop up. You've got Mike Sharon pops up the odd time, but Paul Pescalito has popped up probably 17 times this season. <laughs> There's no Adi Akimai on this list. Oh, that's that's a positive. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's not, not quite as many as there has been in the last couple of weeks. Uh, a right. few players there that we've shared. Uh, right, so looking ahead to the actual game, the man, the myth, the legend, Graham McGarry, has been in touch. And uh, yeah, this is his prediction for the match. Hi there, you Potters podcast people. Hello there, it's Graham McGarry back again after the international break. I hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football. This is Graham McGarry with that Potters prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2, Hull City 0. Stoke 1, West Brom 0. Stoke are ready to win at home. 2-0 for the Potters. Hi there, you Potters predictors. Well, we're coming towards the end of the season and once again, Jekyll and Hyde struck Stoke City on Easter Monday afternoon. And of course, it was good that they got it right because they came back with three points from Ewood Park. Well, they're playing another of those sides who are trying desperately hard to make it into the end of season playoffs when they take on Mark Warburton's Queen's Park Rangers. Tricky team, Queen's Park Rangers. Very underestimated. But surely Stoke can build on that win against Blackburn and get another three points and hopefully take them towards a mid-table finish in the Championship. Stoke City 2, Queen's Park Rangers 1 is this week's prediction. Cheers for that, Graham. And uh, yeah, I think we're in desperate need of turning the home form around. So I'm sure uh, we'll welcome any victory on Saturday. So a 2-1 win. Yeah, we'll, I'll take that definitely. <laughs> um, we've also... Uh, got some QPR audio, so we've, you know, we've been in touch. And uh, Clive Whittingham, who's the editor at Loft for Words, and this is what he's had to say ahead of the game. So, Queen's Park Rangers, what can I tell you? Um, we're all scratching our heads a little bit, really. We came into the season with such optimism and, and hope. We've obviously been going through a period of house cleaning over the past seven or eight years after the ruinous time that Mark Hughes and Harry Redknapp put us through and it felt like for the first time really um, during that period we might have a team that was able to compete this year we did so well all the way through 2021 including the win at Stoke at the back end of last season um, made some really good signings on loan last January Samfield, Charlie Austin, Jordi Device came in uh, Stephanie Hansen as well and really just galvanised the team 
um, finished last season so strongly, we felt if we could make those loans permanent for this year, that we would have a great chance. Uh, we did that and added more, did way more summer business than I thought we were going to be able to do, hit the ground running. And really, throughout the first half of the season, it was all about, well, we're, we're a certainty for the playoff and can we maybe push on challenge Bournemouth for second, which given the budgets we're now working on, particularly our wage bill compared to most of the divisions, that 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 would have been a fantastic achievement. And then, I mean, literally overnight at the end of January, something has, has happened somewhere along the line and the scale of the fall off, the scale of the drop off in the season has makes us think that there's more to it than we're being told and it'll maybe all come out in the wash in the summer or or later on we were unbeaten through January 1-5 drew two beat Reading on the last Saturday of January we were 3-0 up at half time 1-4-0 just absolutely annihilated them and then literally a week later lost 2-0 at Peterborough then 1-0 at Barnsley and the whole thing's just absolutely unraveled um We've lost as many games in the last three months as we did in the in the whole year 2021. Yeah, I mean, there's some mitigation. I mean, the people that study the the metrics and the stats and the XG will tell you that we were overperforming in the first half of this season. We certainly weren't as good as we'd been in the back half of, of 2021. Um, sometimes you you sort of wondered whether we were actually that good, but the results kept coming we did very well for injuries last season and haven't lately. Uh, Rob Dickey started the season really well. He's out injured. Chris Willock is probably the player of the year. He's done for the season as well. We've also had this ridiculous problem in goal. Um, Senny Dieng's our main goalkeeper and he's very important to the way we play out from the back. He got injured. Jordan Archer, his backup, did his shoulder, saving a penalty in the FA Cup. He's out for the season. Joe Walsh is the third in line. He broke his hand in an under-23 game. He's out for the season. We got David Marshall on a short term from Derby to cover that. He blew his hamstring out at Nottingham Forest. He's out for the season. We got Kieran Westwood on an emergency loan to cover all of that. And he got sick at Preston. So we ended up with Murphy Mahoney, who sounds like J.K. Rowling wrote an Irish character, but is basically our under-23 goalkeeper. And so we've, we've rattled through five or six goalkeepers, which is unusual and isn't going to help. But like I say, just the scale of how good we were and how consistent we were to how bad we've been, you know, losing three times. We've lost three times to Peterborough this year. Um, we've had four cracks at Peterborough and Barnsley and won none of them, which the way the league table is now shaping up, it looks like if we could have beaten just one of them once, that probably would have been enough to get us there. We did finally get a win, first time in seven games last week, relegating Derby in the process. Whether it's going to be enough, it leaves us three points off Sheffield United. We've still got Sheffield United to play at home. We're basically going to need to win all three games. I think we've got this one with you guys, then Sheffield United at home and Swansea away on the last day. We're probably going to need to win all three of those. And even then, I look at Millwall's fixtures, and I think that if anybody's going to be the one to to knock a team out of the playoffs and get in right at the end, it's, it's starting to look like Millwall... It's such a shame that it's it's come to this. Like I say, budget-wise, you know, we're probably about where we should be. But having played so well for so long, it's just so disappointing that uh, that it's unravelled like this. Um, style of the team. I mean, we've played a back three for the last eighteen months. Really, they've gone away from that partly through injuries and partly because just nothing else was working. Like we'd lost seven out of eight, so they've tried something else. So it'll be much more of a sort of 
442 with a diamond, I guess, or 4231, however you want to describe it this weekend. That's what we've played the last couple of games, and that's been better at Huddersfield and Derby. So I would expect us to, to stick with that. Um players to watch out for, like I say, Chris Willock's player of the year, but he's he's injured for the season now. So it's probably all about Ilias Chair. Uh, the strikers have struggled all season in varying degrees. Lyndon Dykes, Charlie Austin, Andre Gray have been very hit and miss. So it's all about the players behind them. Luke Amos is playing well and scoring goals. So so maybe him. But Ilias Chair is probably the, the most naturally talented player we've got left. Stoke, I don't know, really. I, th- I, th- I find you a bit strange. There's, you know, some games I watch you and you beat someone 4-3 and I think this is great. And then other times I watch you draw nil-nil and just say, God, this is dull. Um, I know you've had a lot of injuries as well. I look at the accounts and just don't see how that's that's sustainable. And well, it's sustainable given the owners are so rich, it's sustainable. But on the, the FFP rules and profit and sustainability rules and things like that, I just don't see how that that keeps happening every season without there being some consequences somewhere down the line. Um, we know, and and lots of other teams have found that if you come out of the Premier League with a parachute payment, you spend that parachute payment and you don't get back, it's then a really long, hard slog. And it, it's starting to feel a little bit like that for Stoke. Um, I know you guys were doing well in November and came to ours and played really well and have fallen away since. You're probably scratching your heads a little bit like ours. Prediction... I think we've got to win, so I'll I'll back us to get it. You you guys have got nothing riding on it, and we've got to win, so I'll I'll back us to get the win, but not with any degree of confidence. Cheers, lads. Uh, cheers for that, Clive. Um, yeah, it sounds very familiar to our season, doesn't it, Andy? You know, we we got a jump start on them. They they sort of fell apart February time with a lot of injuries. It seems as well. Um, and yeah, we we sort of did that sort of October November, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we just did it. Uh, just a lot quicker obviously we had a good start to last season fell off we had a good start to this season even better than the season before and we just fell off massively and it's it's sometimes how the championship goes it's not the only team who've done it obviously West Brom have done it um Sheffield United have done the opposite they started off awful but obviously turned it around and it's just what happens to some teams, but I feel like it's going to be a positive game for us. Yeah, I mean, obviously for yourself, I mean, what what team would you be going with, you know? Yeah, well, I'm going to be comparing, obviously, the last team that we played, the, the winning team against QPR, the players who probably won't play there now. Davies has been sold, obviously. Bart's been sold as well. You've got Morgan Fox playing at centre-back. Um, you had the slowest midfield three of Varancic, Allen and Sawyer's. You had Fletcher up front with Campbell and you had Smith and Time and his wing-backs. It's not exactly a poor team, but then you look at the team that we played against Blackburn, it's completely different and I don't really think I'm going to make any changes. The only change I'm going to make is, obviously, Varancic managed to get the goal against QPR on the first time round. Why not give him another go in centre mid? So I'm going for Sawyer's out the team with Varancic coming in and that is my only change I'm making. Oh, so you're keeping a lot of quite a solid side then, are you? I yeah, obviously we've not made too many changes. We made three changes from the home to the away game. But I feel like if we can make this maximum three changes from a poor result and one change maximum from a good result, you're gonna have a successful team going around. Me personally, I think 
yeah, there's, there's obviously going to be players in the manager's eyes who he isn't going to be, you know, who aren't going to be here next season. He's going to know in there at this point that there are certain people who, you know, either he doesn't want to sign or they don't want to stay who are out of contract. And I think we're now getting to the stage, three games left, where you sort of disregard them players. There's no point in playing them. There's no point in playing those at this point at this stage of the season, I'd say. Yeah, so um, you're thinking maybe a Smith out the team. Yeah, and... I think I think we're, you're going to learn a lot more by having Ben Wilmot at right back, for example. Okay. And then, then you are going to Tommy Smith or even De Haney. Um, so That's I, I fashionable think, to a lot of people. Yeah, well, yeah, but again, yeah, what's has has he won? He's won. We've won four out of the last six. Has that given him enough breathing room to to tamper with the team enough to risk the results not going our way? But obviously, to sort of try and learn about players in different positions and different partnerships. Yeah, obviously, to next it, season. It's one of them whether Michael O'Neill thinks, oh, yeah, it's time to experiment with three games to go, like most managers do who haven't had the best season, or does Michael O'Neill still want to push for that top-half finish that people want? Obviously, West Brom currently occupy that last top-half of the table spot, which are two points ahead, and some fans even want a top-ten place, which are five points ahead, with nine points to grab. Maybe Michael O'Neill wants to just go all guns blazing until the end of the season. Yeah, I mean... To me, like I say, I, I would put, I put Joe Bursic in goal. And that's nothing against Bonham. But I think now, with these last three games, Bursic should be coming into the side just to give him sort of... Like, obviously, Bonham set the, set the bar for Bursic now, and he said, you know what, I can, I've come in and this is you know, these are the levels that I can get to. And now it's up to Joe Bursic to come in and say, you know, this is your bar, mate, or my bar's up here. <laughs> and, I, you know, and then obviously then they can both go off into the summer then, knowing that they are they are literally fighting it out on an equal, you know, on a level playing field kind of thing. And it is, you know, the best the best man is going to be ending up wearing the shirt and, and the gloves, you know, come the opening day next season. So I definitely have him back in. Like I say, I'd have Wilmot at right back. Yeah, timing at left back, and then have Forrester back in with Jagielka. Okay. Like I say I think you know that's just something I think Forrester's going to learn from playing with Jagielka there. You can coach him and, and talk him through the game, and he'll learn a lot from playing alongside him in a format in a, like a back four. Uh, Lewis Baker, I'd obviously I'd have him there, given the armband. I I think it's pretty clear. I don't think Joe Allen's going to be stopping next season. Uh, I think there's too much sort of financial constraints. I think he's been there's been murmurings that he wants to return back, you know, closer to Swansea and him and his family, you know, they want to go back home. And he's at that stage of his career where that's probably what he wants to do as well. So, you know, when, if that's the case and that's what it's looking like, I'd I'd stick, you know, give Adam Porter a game. I know I've been saying the last two or three weeks I would, but I put him and Baker in the midfield there. I would have put Sawyers in, but I've heard that it seems he that uh, Steve Bruce is ready to trigger his twelve month extension on his contract at West Brom. Yeah, well, it's it's one of them. He's a quality player. Michael O'Neill said he wouldn't mind having him back, and obviously Bruce 
sees him in, the, in his plans, but it's a question of whether Brucey's going to keep his job with how his form's been as of late. Because yeah. at the moment with football managers, you have no idea what's going to go on. And um, But yeah, I think, like I said, I'd put Baker and Porter in the midfield and then I'm going for a young, dynamic front four. So I'm going to have Campbell on the right, where I think he's at his best. Um, Jaden Philogene Bidace on the left, because I think we, you know, like I say, give him game. I think we're gonna, we should be trying to bring him back next season. I'd have Wright Phillips playing off Magic, so Magic still gets somebody buzzing around him as a, like a strike partner, but at the same time, uh, and then Wright Phillips also gets to play centrally because I think he's shown to us in the in the game time he's had so far, he's a lot more comfortable and a lot better playing in the middle. So yeah, I'd have him. Playing off Magic, like I say, Campbell on the right, Phil Jimenez on the left, and just hitting them with pace. And like I say, if if they've got players out of position and and young your youngsters coming in because they're injuries and that, then you know let's let's just go at them. And just you know the fans the fans deserve a couple of home games here where entertainment basically is what we're after. I think in these last couple of home games. Yeah, I wasn't expecting you here to basically put out a four-two-four formation. Well, it's wow. four, two, four, two, three, one. Four, two, three, one. It is. Yeah, but the way that the way that you put it out, I was like, it, he's on something. But to be fair, with that formation, you could put it as a four, four, two as well with them. Go classic British four, four, two, and just have maybe Wright Phillips playing a bit further back from the main striker. Yeah, well, I mean, what's your prediction then, mate? I know it sounds boring and I'm coughing me, Gary, but I feel if we can go out strong, get an early goal like we did and defend how we did against Blackburn and maybe take some of our chances a bit better, I don't see why a 2-1 can't be on the cards. But I'm going with a 2-0 rather because Bonham, if he is in the team, or Bursic, if his confidence is high, can pull out some good saves. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I think obviously, you know, QPR, they're three points off the playoffs, so I mean, they need to win. I think we'll score an early goal, and I think that'll send like a really entertaining game from there on in. Because they'll just gonna... push forward and keep pushing forward, then we can score on the counter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't think they've got any, they've basically, they've got, they've got to win, haven't they? So if they go a goal down, they've got to come out and try and attack. They, they can't just sit and hope that they come back into the game. They have to win on Saturday. So I'd say that we, again, like I say, I think we'll strike early, something we haven't done at home for a while, and uh, it'll open the game up. We'll grab a second, they'll come back into it, it'll go end-to-end, and I think the final score will be 4-2 to Stoke. 4-2? 4-2. Wow. That, that is a bold prediction. It'll go with my team, my my fluid attackers. They're going to be they're going to run riot on Saturday. So I'm guessing you're having Brown on the bench to come off. Brown is on the bench, and that is nothing against Jacob Brown. But if he can come off the bench and do what he does, (laughs) let's be honest. I we aren't going to learn anything about Jacob Brown on Saturday, are we? We We know we know how he is as a player. Yeah, but Josh Madge is looking for a permanent contract here. Philogene Bidays could possibly be, you know, getting himself back here on loan next year. Uh, Wright Phillips is still in the early part of his career and showing us what he can do more consistently. 
and Tyrese Campbell's still on his return from that injury. And uh, obviously, you know, the last time he played on the right, me and you, with our hands covering the sun so we could actually see from our seats, soaring back into the exact fuller goal against the exact same team. What a... And to be fair, that first goal that he got as well, I know it was the slightest touch on the ball, but gets it past the keeper. And we're not going to mention Birmingham considering they lost 6-1 to Blackpool. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, uh, all done now, mate. Apart from... You don't escape it just because Mike's not here. It's time for the quiz. Now, seeing as it's just you, Andy, I wanted to make sure it was fair and make okay. sure it was something, you know, that you, you would be able to know and not, you know, something from your era supporting Stoke. So you told me earlier on, what did you tell me was your first game watching Stoke? It was against Wigan, where Figueroa scored from the halfway line over Tommy Sorensen. And I said to you, Tommy had a mare with that, didn't he, unfortunately? So that inspired me to think goalkeepers. Okay. So you can go two ways with this quiz. Mm -hmm. There are 14 goalkeepers who've played for Stoke since that game you can either name those 14 or I will give you the names and you can order them as in appearances cool you've given me a selection there I think I think considering Mike isn't here I'll go for the naming of them right fair enough so 14 goalkeepers 14 goalkeepers. So, obviously, we've got Joe Bursick and Jack Barnum at the moment. Um, correct, correct. Two down. Andy Lonigan. Correct. Adam Davies. Correct. Jack Butland, Asmir Begovic. Yeah. And those those are your, like ones that you can name from the top of your head. Yeah. Because that's about half of them gone. That's six, yeah, six down. It's the question of who else is there on this list. So you just mentioned one as well, didn't you? When you were saying about the ball flying over his head. Tommy Sorensen, obviously. Yeah, so now you're halfway there. Halfway there is the obvious one's gone. Because these keepers would have probably only played a few games. Yeah, the most the most games out of any of the ones left is 35. Oh, God. See, it sounded a lot easier to do. <laughs> God. Colin Ash was way before all this. Lee Grant is in there. Lee Grant Got, is... He, didn't he get, like, play of the year with only half the games gone? He did. So he is, like, th- he is the 35 appearance man. Okay. So your top appearances now is 16. God. I'm going to put you on the clock. I, I know you're going to put me on the clock. Um, I'm trying to think of keepers who were like substituting. Well, Begovic is here. You had Butland. You had. Are we allowed any like initials? Right. I am going to give you two minutes. God. I've started the timer. God. 
So um, I will tell you that the man who's had the 16 appearances was on loan. And was on loan. He now plays in the Premier League. Well, he will do until May. Will do until May. God, you are. I can't say that saying. I was thinking that was the time we've gone already then. That's your 90 second update. That's 90, 90 seconds, seconds. Uh, left. Um, Blondie hasn't made a senior appearance for Stoke. I know that for a fact. No, he did not. I can confirm that. I'd be worried if he made a senior appearance for Stoke. Um, Backman. No. Good he shout, had, he but no. Did not he make didn't. a senior appearance at Stoke? He did not, no. God. That, that he was really out on loan in Scotland for a lot of yeah, time. Yeah, obviously he's made senior appearances for Austria and that. Shea Given. Shea Given is one. Oh, God. Oh, God, yes. He plays, like, in, like, Norway or something now, doesn't he? Does he? Yeah. How many is that now? So you have got left four. Four left in about a minute to do it. 31 seconds. Federici. Federici is one. He was in the championship, wasn't he? He was. So he he played 14 games. How much did the other two? Angus Gunn. Angus Gunn, he played 16 games. He was bought in on loan. He's the Norwich goalkeeper, obviously. We'll be yeah. returning back to the championship. And then there's one more on there that is just. You've got two. You've got two four, more three, two, one. No, I don't know. There's other two. Out of time. If, I swear, if these are like obvious names. Well, you, you mentioned one of them and then you, you change, you make, talk, talk to yourself. Colin Ash. Yeah, he made one appearance. Oh, that that's why I was thinking because obviously he's always been here, but I didn't know whether he made that appearance. Yeah, he made one appearance after that. After obviously, oh, did the he? Did Sorensen get? About. Oh, yeah. And the other guy made seven appearances that season that we're okay. on about. Any ideas? What season was it? It was like so. This your first season, two thousand eight, nine, wasn't it? It wasn't that. I think it was after season after. I think season after. I went back that far anyway. I found that game and went from, <laughs> from that yeah, well, season. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. Honestly, I have no clue. Steve Simonson. Oh, Simon- I mentioned him as well. <laughs> you. Oh. What you like. So, yeah, not, not a bad effort, mate. I'll honest. take that. I'll take that. 12 out of 40. You got Andy Lonigan straight away. I think a lot of people would have struggled with that. The um, thing that yeah, comes to mind been... with Lonergan is he had a good game against Tottenham. Even though we lost, he played very well. Mm. And then, yeah, and then he just was, going he through signed... the times. He signed for Everton with Begovic. Yeah. <laughs> and now both and of then... them are out of contract. <laughs> Bring them back. And then, obviously, you've had to dig Shea Given and Jacob Halgard out of some deep place in your brain that Jacob you wanted Hallgard to bury them forever. Halgard. I can just remember him like always in the warm-ups. I believe he wore number 29 or something like that. And I was thinking, you know, what if Backman didn't make an appearance, what other keeper similar to him would have made an appearance? And then obviously Shea Given was in on loan or something like that. And I just remember him in his orange kit. But incidentally, if you'd gone the other way, would you who would you have had as made the most appearances? 
Out of them? Yeah. It's between Butland or Begovic. Out of those two. But obviously, Tommy Sorensen's on that list as well. It's one of those three up at the top. I know that for a fact, but I can't yeah. really list them. I'd go with... So, obviously, Sorensen. A lot of Sorensen's games get played before that season as well. Really. Yeah. That's the problem. So, Sorensen had 93. Uh, Butland had 169. And Begovic had 172. Post so I got, yeah, that's that not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, just incidentally, Bear 6 on 34, Bottoms on 17. So, yeah, so Davy Spade 41, Grant 35. So, Bear 6 making his way up that list. 6th at the minute. One behind uh, Lee Grant. I think we've waffled on long enough, haven't we? I Can think we, we might have. Rain? We're giving free reign without poor Mike here to keep him Yeah, we actually him. seem to do all right without him. Yeah, I think we should just send him fishing <laughs> Sack him off. Yeah, so we, we just send him fishing every week? Let's do it. <laughs> For anybody who hasn't heard it as well, obviously we do have a special out. We're speaking to Kieran Maguire, who's gone through the latest Stoke accounts and also the new, um, the new rules that could possibly be replacing FFP in the Championship. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that, go and have a good listen. It's proving very popular as always. Every time we speak to Kieran, uh, it goes down really well. So yeah, and uh, yeah, three points for the Potters on Saturday, and we'll see you all next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.